0: Yeah. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Fiskamall, Mall, your weekly consistency check on America's political and legal file systems. I'm your host, T. Greg Doucette, here in studio with Mike the Sound Guy, and we are broadcasting to you from the heart of downtown Durham, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, you ever had one of those things in life where you started thinking that it's a great idea, and the deeper you get into it, you realize you may have bitten off a little more than you can chew, and you're hoping that it's going to get better at some point? But you go week after week after week, and it never really does. That's how I feel right now. We have a four-page podcast today, and three pages of it are stuff involving the police just in the past week. I don't know what's going on. Uh, But first, some quick notes about the podcast itself. So first, I want to thank all of you for listening Uh, today, Monday, July 24th. We will have our 30,000th episode downloaded, and that is wild to me, Uh, to give you a, a... Comparison on Scopes. We have about 1,200 subscribers, and when I created my Twitter account from April 2010, when I started it, until February of 2016, I had less than 1,200 followers. So to have that many people listening to a podcast that I'm producing, uh, when I couldn't even get that much traction on Twitter after six years, uh, just completely blows my mind, and I'm incredibly thankful for all of you for tuning in. Uh, This coming Tuesday, I will be interviewing a good friend of mine, Jeff Neiman, who is a district attorney in Orange County. He will be our guest on hopefully next week's Law 140, when we talk about juries. I don't know if it's going to be next Monday or the Monday after. It depends on how much editing I have to do from the uh, the interview. So that's going to be coming up soon, though. Uh, Also, make sure that if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at FiskeMall. That is at F-S-C-K-E-M-A-L-L. You can always listen to us also on our website, FiskeMall.com. And we have our Patreon page, Uh, Patreon.com slash Fisk, where we've got some content going up there pretty regularly, and we'll also have a patron-only bonus episode, hopefully this coming week, uh, providing some of the law surrounding the papaya POTUS Donald Trump and his pardon powers. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that shortly. Actually, you know what, let's do that. Let's go ahead and dive into the politics for the week. So the big news, of course, is that Press Secretary Sean Spicer decided to resign. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who had been Deputy Press Secretary, has taken over. And Anthony Scaramucci, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but frankly I don't care because he seems like a slime bag, uh, is the new White House Communications Director. Uh, Scaramucci actually was kind of interesting when he was announced. People started going through his tweets, and a lot of the stuff he's tweeted about is completely antithetical to not just Trump, but also Republicanism in general. So he's got tweets advocating greater gun control and a bunch of other stuff. And then he announced uh, fairly recently that he's just going to delete them all uh, because he can. He actually said in an interview with uh, Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday that he was doing it to send a message to people. I don't know how deleting things sends a message to folks. The only message I'm getting is that you're willing to shamelessly whore yourself out in the name of having a little bit of power and a little bit of money, but that's also why I don't work in the White House. So as part of this, he's the new communications director. He's the guy that's going to bring some discipline, some order to the system here. And it hasn't quite turned out that well so far. So, Narangelo Nixon uh, decided to send out a tweet mentioning that he has complete power to pardon the folks involved with the Russia probe, which we all knew. Uh, We kind of figured the Russia investigation was ultimately going to end with him pardoning all of the key people involved. But listen to a pair of interviews from Sunday, the Sunday talk shows, contrasting the president's attorney, Jay Sekulow, with the new communications director, uh, Mr. Scaramucci. We're gonna start with Seculo, who is being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. Here's a clip of that. We begin this morning with the president's team, attorney Jay Seculo, brand new press secretary Sarah Sanders. And Mr. Seculo, let me start with you. And thank you for joining us this morning. I wanna start by putting up this tweet uh, that President Trump sent out yesterday, yesterday morning. He said, while all agree that the US president has the complete power to pardon, Why think of it when the only crime so far is leaks against us, fake news? I I wonder if you can explain what the president means by that, complete power to pardon. Does he believe he has the right to pardon himself? Well, the president uh, in that tweet stated something that's rather unremarkable, and that is that under the Constitution, under Article 2, Section 2, the president has the authority uh, to pardon. But I want to be clear on this, George. We have not and, ha- and continue to not have conversations with the president of the United States regarding pardons. Pardons have not been discussed and pardons are not on the table. With regard to the issue of a, a president pardoning himself, uh, there's a big academic discussion going on right now, an academic debate. You've got Professor Tribe arguing one point, you've got Professor Turley arguing another point. And it, while it makes for interesting academic discussions, let me tell you what the legal team, is not doing. We're not researching the issue because the issue of pardons is not on the table. There's nothing to pardon from. So, pardons have not been discussed. Pardons are not on the table. That was the exact quote. Rewind it if you needed to make sure that you've got it right. Now, compare that with this uh, segment from Fox News Sunday where Chris Wallace is interviewing the new communications director, Mr. Scaramucci. Agenda. But let Just me ask simple. you one last Russia question that I want to talk about uh, agenda in. Uh, a tweet uh, this week, the president uh, said this, this weekend, he asserted his complete power to pardon. Question, if he and his people have done nothing wrong, why even talk about pardons? You see, this is one, again, this is one of those things about Washington, and it's, a, it's the convolution and the nature of things. I'm in the Oval Office of the president last week. We're talking about that. He says he, he he brought that up. He says, but he doesn't have to be pardoned. There's nobody around him that has to be pardoned. He was just making the statement about the power of pardon. And so now all of the speculation and all this spin is, always oh, going to pardon himself and do all this other nonsense. The president does not need to pardon himself. And the reason he doesn't need to pardon himself is that he hasn't done anything wrong. Okay. And so. Wallace's dismissive, okay, there at the end was absolutely perfect. But you notice Scaramucci said, we're in the Oval Office. He mentioned that. We talked about it. Comparing your communications director saying X to the legal team saying Y Again, this is just going to be more of the same. These same guys are going to keep repeating the same bullshit like they do all the time. I really don't know why the media bothers to interview these folks. You know, They're not going to give you anything newsworthy, and when they do, half of it's lies anyway. So why do you continue giving them a platform? Go report on some fucking bake sale in Pasadena or something like that. I don't know. Um, As we're on the topic of the apricot authoritarian, uh, he really went in on his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who it was disclosed that Sessions perjured himself, came out that actually he did, in fact, meet with the Soviets back during the campaign, uh, did, in fact, talk about campaign business, but then during his confirmation hearings, of course, lied about it. Well, the president gave interviews to the New York Times. So let me pause right here and notice this. You notice as much as he talks about fake news, the parody president continues to speak to their reporters. So obviously they're not that fake. He needs them. He loves the media attention because it gives him a foil to play off of. But in a very long, rambling interview with the New York Times, Trump was actually offended that Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation because he seems to think that the attorney general works for the president as opposed to the people of the United States of America. Here's an excerpt from the audio of that New York Times interview. Sessions gets the job. Right after he gets the job, he recuses himself. Okay. Was that a mistake? Well, Sessions should have never recused himself. Yeah. And if he, would, if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job, and I would have picked somebody else. Mm-hmm. He gave you no heads up at all, mm-hmm. in any sense. Zero. Okay. So Jeff You're Sessions sorry. takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself, I then have, uh, which, which, frankly, I think is very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word, to the president. So he recuses himself. I then end up with a second man who's a deputy. Now, you're all smart people, so let me ask you this. Why do you suppose that Terracotta Tojo would have chosen someone else had Sessions told him he would be unable to participate in the Russia investigation? Why would you base your decision on who to be attorney general uh, as to whether or not they'd be willing to participate in it themselves? You know, it's something where, based on what we know about Sessions now, it should be painfully obvious that Trump picked him because he was complicit also and expected Sessions to help clean it up. Everything that has been alleged about this administration has turned out to be true, and it's only going to get worse from here. So speaking about it getting worse, Attorney General Beauregard decided that he is also going to bring back the practice of civil asset forfeiture. Now, this is the, the gravely abused process where the police can take your property and the burden of proof is on you to prove that you were not using it for a crime. It's one of the ways that several departments have been funding their operations. We're going to cover a little bit of that in the uh, the criminal justice news, but it's one of those practices that has been so profoundly uh, destructive to American taxpayers and to communities, that both Republicans and Democrats were opposed to it. Ending civil asset forfeiture was part of the GOP platform in 2016, for Christ's sake. Now, also, aside, this proves that party platforms are utterly fucking useless. Anytime you talk with someone in the base, in the grassroots, talking about how great the platform is, they're a complete total bullshit documents, no one listens to them, and bringing back civil asset forfeiture, one of those areas where there's bipartisan consensus that the practice is wrong and it needs to end, the fact that is coming back highlights that the RNC platform means jack shit. So I'll link to that uh, memo in the show notes, but that will be coming back with a vengeance. Uh, In court news, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals involving a case down in Florida has ruled that a man had the right to record police when he met with the police chief. Uh, James McDonough is the man in question. He had some issues with an officer who was harassing him. He filed a complaint against the officer And to verify that the complaint was received and acknowledged, filed a public records request with the department to ask for a copy of the complaint. Come to find out, the complaint was thrown in the shit can. They never did anything with it. So he went to go talk with the chief of police and had recorded the meeting on his cell phone. It was him the chief of police, uh, a friend of Mr. McDonough, who had not been invited, but the chief allowed to attend, and another member of the police staff recorded this meeting, and when he got the public records request back that the complaint had never been received, he published that audio on YouTube, and the state's attorney actually sent him a letter saying that if he ever did it again, they would prosecute him for violating Florida's Wiretap Act. So uh, Mr. McDonough filed a 1983 lawsuit against the state, lost at the trial level, ended up proceeding pro se at the Court of Appeals. That means he went without an attorney on his own and a three-judge panel actually vacated the lower court's decision and said that he was right and that he had the right to record that particular meeting. So that was out of the federal 11th Circuit Court of Appeals covering Florida. The Illinois Supreme Court, as we're talking about civil asset forfeiture, has ruled against a prosecutor that basically put together a team of bandits. This prosecutor put together uh, a custom unit whose job was to patrol the highways, uh, ticket drivers and steal their money. So I'll link this story to you, but it really is something straight out of Robin Hood and the sheriff of Nottingham stealing from the peasants. The Supreme Court essentially said that this violated both the state and federal constitution, so they've put an end to it. But this unit was basically taking money through forfeiture, using it to pay themselves. Two of the investigators were making $144,000 each every single year from the proceeds that they were taking from innocent taxpayers. So the Illinois Supreme Court put an end to that. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that the state's new sex offender registry, Qualifies as a punishment. So this is one of those things where we treat the sex offender registry as a civil issue, not a criminal issue. Um, And what the court said was that even though it is civil, supposedly... It functions as a punishment to people, so you can't apply it retroactively to people who had committed offenses prior to the, the law being enacted. So you might recall from our discussion about the Constitution in a prior podcast that we are, the government is prohibited from enacting what are called ex post facto laws, laws that criminalize conduct after the fact that you weren't on notice before the fact about. Um, so the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that because the new registration system qualifies as being punitive in nature. Uh, It is an ex post facto law that is not permitted. So we'll link to that as well. Uh, Victory for the First Amendment in New Jersey. The New Jersey Supreme Court ruled that video of police when they execute civilians, uh, those are public records under New Jersey law. So dash cam video has to be released. Body cam video has to be released. Uh, We will link to that decision, but it's one of those things where, again, the government is recording this video but they want to make sure they never let you see it because then you could theoretically hold them accountable. Uh, The New Jersey Supreme Court has said that is a no-no. Out in Colorado, the Colorado Court of Appeals has ended the use of drug dogs for marijuana searches or narcotic searches in general uh, for traffic stops. And this is another one of those cases where the decision is rooted in the state constitution and the state law but essentially, our system is set up so that having a canine around a car, sniffing a car, does not qualify as an unreasonable search. Because theoretically, whatever aroma the canine detects is out in the public space, um, so that, that's not a search because you're not entitled to you know any kind of privacy expectation or anything like that, uh, how you smell. So what the court has said there is that that only applies where the only time the dog signals is if they have detected something that's illegal. If the dog is signaling both something that is illegal and potentially something that is not illegal, then it becomes an unreasonable search because you have an expectation of privacy and things you're doing that are perfectly legal and not a crime. So because Colorado passed their state proposition that legalized marijuana for recreational use for state law purposes, the use of canines that can't distinguish between minor possession of weed, which is legal, versus a criminally excessive amount of weed, which is of course not, um, because the dog can't make that distinction, you can't use the dogs. The dogs either have to be better trained or they can't be used at all. So we'll give you that uh Decision in the Colorado Court from the Colorado Court of Appeals. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a I don't know if the Colorado Supreme Court will affirm it, but that is a very significant change to policing in Colorado. Uh, We've got four separate pieces that cover. A lot of general research about how fucked up our system is. Uh, CJ Mella, I've mentioned him before. I still don't know if I have his name right, so if he ever listens, I hope he'll correct me. Uh, But he has a piece in Reason Magazine on forensic labs around the country that have been completely fucking up at length for years. So he's got a uh, column on that that we'll link to you in the show notes. The Christian Science Monitor has a terrific, very long piece On defense attorneys who have now become elected prosecutors around the country and how that has transitioned uh, the way prosecutors, you know, we've mentioned before, prosecutors are taught that they are ministers of justice and how that pans out most of the time is that they will go for the maximum charge for the maximum time a lot. I mean, that's, there are a lot of counties in North Carolina in particular where that's the standard operating procedure. You have a very special few you know, here in Durham, some in Orange, some in Wake County, uh, that are, are a little bit more focused on what justice means to the rest of us But in the vast majority of North Carolina, and especially the rest of the country, justice is locking people away for as long as heavenly possible. So this Christian Science Monitor piece discusses how that's changed a little bit in some specific jurisdictions. Uh, The Arizona Capital Times has an op-ed on jail reform, and you'll understand why when we get into the police brutality news. Uh, But one interesting statistic from this op-ed is that 99% of the growth in the jail population over the past 15 years has been pre-trial detention. Folks who've been arrested before trial can't afford to bond out. That accounts for 99% of the growth in inmates over the past 15 years. That is astonishing to me. Uh, I don't know if that's you know totally accurate. I haven't seen their underlying data. I'm just pulling that from the op-ed itself. But I'd have to trust that they're doing their research to throw the statistic out there. So I'll give that link to you as well. In addition, the Marshall Project has a long-form piece regarding a Justice Department report that found that in the Federal Bureau of Prisons... Uh, the way they're dealing with mentally ill people is just to lock them away in solitary confinement. If you got a mental illness, fuck your treatment. We're just going to lock you away where you can't talk to anyone at any time during the day. Um, that is a abomination, but I'll give you that link as well for you to check out. So let's get into some of the police news and what we're going to do. I'm going to go alphabetically by state with two exceptions because we've got to start off with Maryland where the Baltimore Police Department... Uh, <laughs> ended up, I'm trying not to laugh, but these fucking clowns caught themselves planning drugs. So I don't know how many of you have seen The Wire. It is a fantastic show. People that watch it will talk about how realistic it is. But Baltimore police have body cams for a lot of their officers. And the, the different models vary. But one of the things they will do is they'll run continuously. And because you don't have unlimited recording space, the cameras will write over the same chunk of uh, storage space repeatedly. So say every uh, five minutes worth of data is rewritten every five minutes. It just keeps writing over that same portion of the disk to save space. And then when you click a button, the, sa- the data saves to a different partition. So those of you that aren't computer science folks, essentially a partition is part of the same physical disk but to the computer, to the machine, it's treated as being two separate disks. Uh, So you've got this constant storage in one spot, and then when you click to save it, it records somewhere else that you can then download to the computer when you get back to the station. Well, as an anti-tampering device, what they'll do is the last bit of the data recorded prior to the button click gets saved in that new partition. And these guys actually, I don't know if they didn't know that or they weren't thinking or what, but they've released video where you have the video from the 30 seconds prior to him clicking the button of three Baltimore police officers planning some form of drugs in a lot. They go outside the lot to the street presses the button on the camera, then walks back in, and the guy's like, oh, hey, I found drugs, like it's some great discovery, as he ended up being exposed for planning it himself. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link that story to you. That has become my single most retweeted tweet ever in my entire time on Twitter, uh, I ended up sharing a copy of that video to folks, and it was just so outrageous that uh, we've actually had 1.6 million people just see my tweet, and I know the guy that actually did the original story had it retweeted well beyond that. Uh, but Baltimore is clowning themselves, and because of that, they have to start off this particular week of news. Uh, we'll go up to Alaska. Alaska is making its debut on Fiscal Mall where the police union is, and police in general, are defending their right to fuck prostitutes. Uh, Alaska law forbids police from having sex with anyone in their custody, but there is an exception that you can, yes, fuck a prostitute as long as you are undercover, and two separate pieces of legislation, House Bill 73 and Senate Bill 112, have been introduced to ban all sexual touching of any kind uh, between police and prostitutes, and the police think that is just entirely unfair, Uh, So there's a great piece in Glamour magazine, you know, kind of like Teen Vogue. You don't expect to hear this type of stuff in these type of magazines, but the shit is just so fucking outrageous that you have these columns appearing in non-traditional publications. But I'll link this to you. Essentially, the police are very upset that they're not going to be allowed to have sex with prostitutes anymore. Uh, Going over to Arizona, I mentioned the op-ed earlier about jail reform. Part of why that is a discussion is that there's a class action lawsuit pending, it's Parsons v. Ryan, regarding the treatment of prison inmates, and there's testimony taking place uh, as part of that federal trial. Uh, One of the state prisons in Florence, an inmate testified that they wait months to see a doctor for routine visits, uh, and will sit in the sun for hours to see a nurse and still never actually get any care. You know, I don't care what kinds of crimes you have done. That's inhumane. If we're going to go through the effort of locking you up, which we should when you break the law, at the very least, you got to be provided with some basic medical care. You know, waiting months to see a doctor is ridiculous. Sitting in the Arizona, son of all places, to bake for a few hours before you can see a nurse is ridiculous. Uh, So I'll link that story to you. Over in California, Police in Paris, California, arrested 52-year-old Juanita Mendez Medrano for the grievous, heinous, atrocious crime of selling flowers outside of a high school graduation without a license. And not only did they arrest her, but the officer decided to beat the shit out of her in the process, and of course, this was all caught on cell phone video. Why? Because first rule of fisk, police will continue to do dumb shit even when they're being recorded. So this particular officer grabs the woman by her hair and by her neck, slams her onto the ground, all because she did not have a permit for selling these flowers at a high school graduation. Over in Colorado, the Boulder, Colorado police are trying to do their part to fund the city budget. They will now issue $50 citations if you do not press the button at a crosswalk. This is not a citation if you go outside the crosswalk. They're not ticketing jaywalking. No, they're ticketing you for going through the crosswalk like you're supposed to do, but you didn't press the button. So if you're in Boulder, Colorado, be aware of that. Uh, In Longmont, Colorado, y'all might recall from a prior podcast, we mentioned that the Longmont police were teaming up with a public housing project uh, to basically conduct random warrantless searches of people's homes as a training exercise. Uh, The police released a statement saying that after the program had been reviewed, it was, quote, not consistent with police standards, unquote, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, But aside from that statement, the police are refusing to release any of the information about the investigation, uh, saying that it would not be prudent. So that is Longmont, Colorado, in the District of Columbia, our nation's capital. uh, The Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law got a permit to have a march against the Trump-Kobosh Voter Integrity Commission, whatever the hell they call it, the thing where they're trying to compile all of this information and give it to the federal government, Uh, the Secret Service decided that was improper, so they tried to ban them from having this protest, even though they went through the proper channels, had a proper permit, and were recording everything, because apparently the first rule of Fisk applies to the Secret Service as well. Uh, Down in Florida, in Ocoee, Florida, police decided to approach the home of a Charlie Brooks to ask about a boat that was floating near his property. Uh, Spoiler alert, the boat was Mr. Brooks's. Uh, And the Brooks family dog, Duke, came out, uh, was wagging his tail, wanted to say hello. The police officer took a step back and decided to shoot the dog in the head. So Duke is now dead. Uh, We have another case of puppy side in Florida. Uh, Over in Illinois, don't have any criminal justice news relating to the police, but there's a fantastic editorial on the importance of ending taillight policing. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the Law 140 section this week, Um, but this is just a fabulous editorial from the Chicago Tribune, not something I was expecting. But one of the things that they mention is the sheer number of people Chicago police kill every year from pulling people over for tail lights or expired registration or that sort of thing. Uh, over in Minnesota, holy hell. So while we're talking about puppy side, let's cover the puppy side first. Y'all might recall that I mentioned last week how uh, Minneapolis police had gunned down two different dogs uh, that from the security camera from the home appeared to be friendly, wagging their tails, wanting to say hello. Well, the police department released the body cam video and confirmed, yes, the dogs were friendly, smiling, wagging their tails, and police decided to kill them anyway because they like to kill dogs for sport. You know, people get offended that I say that. They will send me texts or tweets or whatever else. I can't believe you say police like to kill dogs. Well, guess what? There hits a certain point when you have story after story after story of dogs being summarily executed every week that you got to come to a conclusion that either they enjoy it or they're just some terrified pussies that can't deal with having a dog around. I don't know what it is, but you've got this case in Florida just this past week. You've got the case in Minneapolis the week before. You had the gun, the, the dog being gunned down in a chocolate shop in California the week before that. The list goes on. So the police in Minneapolis have issues. Uh, speaking of, the police chief, Janae Hartall, uh, has resigned over the execution of Justine Damond. Now, I will say this, I am fascinated how quickly they threw the police officer under the bus for killing that lady. So Justine was the white Australian woman who called the police to report an assault and they ended up shooting her dead anyway. Uh, it became an international uproar. I mean, even the Australian government's like, hey, what the fuck, mate? How is it that our people can be gunned down in the street like that? To which most Americans are like, that's a good fucking question. We don't really know. Um, but they they threw this guy under the bus, Muhammad Noor, 32 years old. Uh, they gave all his information out as quickly as possible. Come to find out, he's got three complaints against him for excessive force, two of which have not been resolved and was sued in May of 2017 because he assaulted a woman. That is still pending. Um, but it's something where, you know, when we, you hear people say blue lives matter or all lives matter, guess what? If you're an officer of color, they're not talking about you. I don't care what anyone says. If you make the mistake of executing a white woman, they will throw you under the bus quick as hell. So you might want to take a minute and ponder how you go about your daily business because Blue Lives Matter doesn't apply to you. So that's Minnesota. Over in Missouri, the St. Louis County police, uh, who are responsible for patrolling their metro, uh, were discovered basically hiding out in the police substation there And to ensure that they wouldn't get in trouble for not doing their jobs, they're actually on camera taking a white sheet of paper and taping it over the camera lens so the people tasked with monitoring that particular station wouldn't notice that they're just hanging out there hiding as opposed to patrolling the metro. Um, Over in New Jersey... The dash cam video has been released of their mayor, who was in two separate car crashes in August 2016 and March 2017, uh, where they can't tell if he's drunk or on some kind of drugs or what, but essentially the police went out of their way to keep that information hidden from the public uh, for months now, so that information finally got released four months later. Up in New York, 18-year-old Pedro Hernandez is in Rikers for a 2015 shooting that he claims he didn't commit. And not only does he claim it, there are eight other witnesses who have testified on video that he did not commit this particular shooting. But the... uh district attorney will not dismiss the charges. Hernandez is on a $250,000 bond that he cannot afford to pay. And he's got a pending full ride scholarship to college that is going to be nuked because he's not going to be able to get released before the acceptance deadline. So this is just a reminder. I mentioned this last week that pre uh, pretrial detention destroys lives, destroys communities. And it's something where it becomes a punishment prior to any kind of conviction. You know, I mentioned earlier in this episode, 99% of the jail growth over the past 15 years has been pretrial detention. People have not been convicted of a crime, are presumed innocent under the law. So we'll keep an eye on uh, Mr. Hernandez's case and see how that turns out. Over in Ohio, in Cincinnati, Ray Tenzing, who you might recall from a podcast two, three weeks ago, uh, was the the clown show fuck who executed Samuel DuBose and then lied about it and then ended up being exposed by his body cam footage, uh, ended up with two separate mistrials. The district attorney has said he is not going to try him again. Mr. Tenzing will get away with murder, as so many police officers do when they happen to kill black men. Uh, Over in Cleveland, police are prosecuting ninth grader Elijah Witt for the grievous crime of, quote, fare evasion, not paying the fare for a bus. Here's the thing. Mr. Witt is a ninth grader. He's a public school student. All public school students get to ride the bus for free in Cleveland. So I'm going to give you this particular uh, story in the show notes, but it's one of those things where you just, you, you really wonder what the fuck these people are doing, okay? So apparently Mr. Witt did not have the government-issued ID card to prove that he was allowed to ride for free. The police claim they sent his parents a letter saying that uh, he needs to address this with a $50 fine. Uh, it's either 50 or $25. Don't quote me on the dollar amount, But they have to pay a fine, or he would be criminally prosecuted. Mom says they never got the letter, and after the kid was arrested, they requested a copy of the letter from the police, and the police said, uh, we can't produce it, sorry. Well, if you can't produce a letter, how the fuck do you know the letter was ever actually sent? Point one. But point two, how in God's name are you prosecuting a kid that you can tell went to public school, you gotta know that because in order to arrest him, you gotta have his name and verify that he's an actual person at a given address. You know, why the fuck are you prosecuting a kid for fare evasion when his fare is 0 cents? anyway? The Cleveland police are fucking ridiculous. Uh, up in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia police shot and executed 30-year-old biker David Jones several weeks ago. Um, but the interesting part from that is that the Police Advisory Commission has refused to investigate. They're not even looking into it. The execution was caught on the uh, security camera of a nearby diner. There are serious concerns that Mr. Jones was killed when he shouldn't have been, but the police are willfully refusing to look into it. So I'll give you that story as well. Uh, Down in South Carolina... The state board that oversees the Criminal Justice Academy down there has voted to require psychological testing for all officers of all agencies starting January 1st of 2018. Uh, The bigger departments in the major cities were already requiring this, but the rural communities were not. So now this is going to be a requirement everywhere statewide. Uh, Down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, body cam video was released of a police officer arresting an 11-year-old boy uh, who supposedly had been, according to the body cam video, we don't know if this is actually correct, this is what the officer is saying on the video, claims that the 11-year-old was throwing rocks at a window. Uh, when he approached, the kid has one of those orange-capped toy guns. So it's very clearly a not an actual weapon. Uh, but the officer arrests the kid anyway. And then when the mom says, what the fuck are you doing? He's an 11-year-old kid. Why is he in cancuffs in the back of the squad car? The officer arrests the mom too. Not for any particular crime, just because he decides to do it. And then at the end of the body cam footage, they're actually both released. No crimes charged because what the claim was didn't actually happen. So that is Spartanburg, South Carolina. You know, you probably figured this out, but both the 11-year-old and the mom were black and the officer was white, just FYI. Uh, Over in Tennessee, a white county judge is offering a 30-day sentence reduction for any inmate who agrees to uh, be sterilized. So Judge Sam Benningfield has issued a standing order that if men get a vasectomy or women get a birth control implant, they can shave 30 days off of their sentence. Uh, Tennessee bringing back eugenics, just cloaking it in a judge's robe. Uh, down in Texas, the district attorney has some good news. They have indicted a former Bulch Springs police officer, Roy Oliver, who you might recall was the guy who executed 15-year-old Jordan Edwards, shot him through the passenger side window of a police car, and then lied about it, didn't realize the laws of physics actually apply. I think that was our second episode of Fiskamall way back in uh, May. Uh, But he has been indicted on one count of murder and four counts of assault with a deadly weapon by a public employee. Now, I'm not excited yet. Let me know when they get a conviction. But the fact that a grand jury has indicted is a big deal. Uh, In Utah... The Orem police apparently spend their days monitoring Instagram. Uh, 17-year-old Peyton Collier, who is considers himself an artist, a photographer, has a lot of various esoteric things on his Instagram, uh, posted a black and white picture of a handgun next to an iPhone. And that triggered an investigation by police. The police officer showed up and said that this 17-year-old was being placed on a terrorist watch list and he was just going to have to deal with it. Of course, mom flipped out, called the police, called the media, called everyone else. It became a great outrageous story. And then the police chief showed up and said, Ah, no, there's no watch list here. He's not a terrorist. Sorry. Uh, Let's move on. So just know if you live in Orem, Utah, that police are keeping an eye on your Instagram. Over in Vermont... A Burlington police officer released dash cam video of 18-year-old Logan Heisman, I think is her name. Uh, It's a girl. But this is one of those, we point this out every now and then, where an officer exercises tremendous restraint. Uh, This is one of those occasions. Essentially, this girl is passed out behind the wheel of her car. The officer taps on the window to make sure that she's okay. And as you would expect of an 18-year-old white girl, who seems incredibly uh, privileged, treats the officer like shit and would have ended up dead had she been black, uh, but instead she just got arrested. Later claimed on social media that the officer sexually assaulted her, uh, and so the police department released the body cam video to confirm that that, in fact, never happened. Uh, over in Washington, Shelton police... Who uh, these guys beat, pepper sprayed, and tased a homeless man sleeping on the steps outside of a homeless shelter uh, to the point where they broke his nose, fractured his skull in several places, and injured his eyes. Uh, The sheriff's department out there has recommended to the district attorney that these two police officers be charged with assault. Uh, That hasn't actually happened yet, but that's at least their recommendation, so we'll see how that shakes out. Over in Vancouver, Washington, a 14-year-old girl attempted to steal candy from a Winco supermarket and was chased into the parking lot and had the shit beaten out of her by loss prevention staff. So it's not just the police that go crazy. Loss prevention decided they were going to go nuts as well. And finally, to end on a light note... The police in New Hampshire, in Guilford, New Hampshire, I told you we were going to have two exceptions to going alphabetically. I wanted to end on a somewhat positive note. I spent the day hurting buffalo. A bunch of buffalo got loose, and the police department had to roll out in force to try and get these buffalo contained, because that's apparently a concern up in New Hampshire. I did not know that. Um, so that's it for the brutality news. We're now at 38 minutes. I'm going to try and get through our Law 140 quickly. But it's going to be a little different than we typically do each year because it's not specifically on law so much as solutions. How do we fix some of these problems? So let's go ahead and get into it right now. Now, typically, I figure out the Law 140 topic the weekend that we decide to record the episode. I look back on the news and see what is potentially interesting, what folks have asked me to cover, Uh, but this one was a little bit different because when we released last week's episode, within roughly a 24-hour period of that release, I had three different people contact me. I had one guy post on Facebook that he always felt helpless listening to the podcast, really wanted to know, as part of the Law 140 section, what we could do. I had another guy say on Twitter that he wished the podcast had more time for solutions, Uh, And then I had another young lady in the Midwest uh, send an email basically saying, what is the purpose of covering all of this stuff? So to answer that question, I don't know how many of you are deep into kind of political theory. But one of the things that is often talked about is this concept of an Overton window. So if you were to think of any given policy choice, think of it on a spectrum. You have one extreme on one end, the other extreme on the other, and then a bunch of other options in between those two extremes. The Overton window is that span of the spectrum where something is plausible and could potentially be enacted into law. So you hear about shifts in the Overton window. So, for example, think about national security. The idea of having full body scanners in the airport was outrageous and extreme until the 9-11 attacks shifted that Overton window to the point where they became a plausible policy solution. So I think of this podcast, especially when it comes to the the police issues, as being part of that. The fact is we have got government agencies all over this country abusing you and abusing your rights and abusing taxpayer dollars. Every hour of every day like clockwork. And if you doubt that, think for a minute about the fact this podcast has been able to run for two whole months and I have not yet run out of material. There's not been a week where I haven't had something to talk about relating to the police. And, and not only that, we've gone beyond our 30 minutes. It went from a normal 30 minute podcast to now we're pushing 41 minutes just at this point in this recording. So that needs to be fixed, but it's not going to be fixed. The solutions fall outside of the Overton window because most people don't know what's going on. We pay attention to the high-profile stories, the people that have been killed when they shouldn't have, but we completely miss... People who get killed and shouldn't have but happen to have a criminal record. You know, not every case is going to be a Justine Damon. Not every case is going to be a Philando Castile. Sometimes you get Elton Sterling's guys who have criminal records who shouldn't have been executed anyway because the Constitution makes clear that that's not the way it's supposed to be. But we don't see those. We certainly don't see the low-level police brutality that happens, like my old client that happened to get a, a citation for reckless driving for doing donuts in the street when the street wasn't physically wide enough for donuts to be done. You know, this type of stuff that happens on a daily basis, no one ever knows about. So that portion of this podcast is a compilation of that. It's something where we can go state by state every single week and pull all this stuff together. You know, I'll give you an example from Twitter just this past week. Texas, uh, there was a tweet about how Texas was convening a special session of their General Assembly to pass a bathroom bill similar to North Carolina's House Bill 2. And one of the things we were able to do is actually list out all of the shit that has happened in Texas with police since we started this podcast back on May 1st. And of course, because I like to overdo it, I also mentioned all the shit that happened in every other state during the past two months as well. But that's how I see that portion of this podcast. That's the role that it serves. It's serving as a compilation of stuff that other folks might not hear about, might not see, might not know about that needs to be brought to wider attention to everybody to shift the Overton window on developing solutions. Now, the question becomes, what do those solutions entail? What can you do as a listener to fix the problems going on with law enforcement in this country? And I've got a few suggestions, all right? Suggestion number one, number two, and number three, run for office. That is by far the most important thing you can do. Run for office. I don't care what it is. I don't care what background you have. I don't even care how informed you are, frankly. The fact that we do not have people challenging incumbents for positions is how we're able to get these shitty laws in place and nothing ever changes. We've become sclerotic as a country We've become set in our ways, and it's incredibly difficult for things to change. And part of that is got a bunch of old motherfuckers in office. Look at Congress. Jesus Christ, the median age of a Congress critter is like 70-something years old. My representative, David Price, has been in Congress since I was three. I was born in 1981. He got elected in 1984. The man has been in Congress the entire time since then. What does he know about being a normal, ordinary citizen? He doesn't. He spends his day getting paid a shitload of money to go to fancy parties to raise money for his fellow Congress critters, and every now and then shows up in Washington to cast a vote. But it's not just him. It's the same on the Republican side as well. You have a bunch of old people that refuse to leave, refuse to give up space to other folks. And part of that is that we don't have people willing to step up to challenge them. You know, there are ways to get involved everywhere. In most spots in the country, your city council hires the police chief. They determine police policy. Your county funds the jails. They help determine prison reform. Your state legislatures determine what constitutes a crime. That's one of the biggest things that you can do. Run for district attorney so you can decide on a case-by-case basis who needs that overzealous prosecution versus maybe being given a second chance. The best way to make sure that these politicians are doing their job, and if they're not, having them removed, the best way to ensure that happens is to make sure that they've got competition in every primary, in every general election, in every single election cycle. So, whatever you do, make sure to run for office. I don't care what it is. Take a step out and do it. I ran for the state senate in 2016. It wasn't that bad. You know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. But it gave me an opportunity to mention things involving the court system, involving our university system, that weren't going to get mentioned otherwise. And the act of putting yourself out there leads to what is my fourth suggestion. So, pretend suggestions one through three will treat that as suggestion number one. Uh, the next one on the list is to get informed. It, it's something where, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of this stuff flies below the radar to ordinary Americans. It's just not something that we think about because we've got better things to do with our time. You know, most of y'all have families that you're taking care of. You've got jobs that you work at. It's not something that normally sits on the top of your brain. Hey, let me see how the police are fucking up this week. And that's normal. There's no problem with that. But if you want to affect change, you've got to get information, you've got to get statistics, you've got to get data. You know, one of the websites that I have mentioned repeatedly before is opendatapolicing.com. It is a data aggregation site run by the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, and it tracks police stop data in three different states. So it's in Illinois, Maryland, and North Carolina. And you can go down to the officer level In Every single agency in those states and see how often police are stopping people, check stops by uh, race or gender, see whether or not there are disparities there, look at searches and seizures, check racial disparities there. And that type of information is very eye opening. You see that all of the talk of this post racial society and the police aren't that bad. It's really a myth. Police are wildly, wildly discriminatory. Some jurisdictions are better or worse than others, but the data confirms that this discrimination is real. It happens a lot. Uh, Mapping police violence is another one. Tracks the number of executions that happen by police each year. Killedbypolice.net is another website. You know, just these spots where all you've got to do is just check information. Get educated on the details uh, will help make you a better advocate when it comes time to either run for office yourself or talk to a politician about something you want changed, or just as important, talk to your neighbors. I'm butchering a quote from Duran McKesson when I say this, but I I recall something to the effect from Pod Save the People. Uh, He said, Structures change behavior, but it's neighbors that change hearts. So talking with your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers about these types of issues on a one-on-one organic level helps shift that Overton window to affect change. So if you're the type where you don't want to run for office, you want to know some other way where you can kind of dive in, you can also support organizations that already exist promoting these types of issues. So for conservatives, there's a group called Right on Crime, that looks at a lot of these issues from a conservative viewpoint. It's something where I I retweet their stuff every now and then because they've got a lot of very solid, very good information up there. Uh, The R Street Institute is another conservative entity where they cover a lot of different policy issues, but criminal justice reform is one of the things they care about. Uh, My liberal listeners are going to spaz out, but the Koch brothers, the Koch Institute, and the groups that they fund, uh, Americans for Prosperity and these other ones, Their criminal justice platform, you would think, was a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. On the criminal justice space for both the conservatives and the liberals, and the Koch brothers are all about it. Uh, on the liberal side, I mentioned before, the Southern Coalition for Social Justice is based out of North Carolina, but they do stuff all over the place. Um, their website, opendatapolicing.com, is fantastic, but they do a lot of other work as well. Uh, Campaign Zero is another one, where joincampaignzero.org. Um, That was something born from the Black Lives Matter movement, but they've got a lot of specific policy proposals that they're trying to get implemented. So when you hear someone complaining about BLM protesters and how they don't stand for anything, they're full of shit. There's actually a full-blown platform of stuff to get implemented. And if none of that stuff appeals to you, if you still need ideas, I've got my campaign platform. I've left it up online for people to look at. You know, one of the things that I talked about at length, my only uh, campaign commercial was this idea that we need to end taillight policing in Durham. You know, that Chicago Tribune editorial discussed that. And it's something where we, we pull people over for trivial stuff that you don't need to pull people over for. If someone's got an expired license or a blown taillight, light, you've got their license plate number. You can have the DMV send them a letter saying, you've got a certain period of time to fix this issue. And if you don't, we'll suspend your license or reveal your plate. You know, keep the traffic stops focused on people who are actually dangerous to other travelers. If you see someone who's drunk driving, okay, they have to get pulled over, but just having a blown taillight doesn't qualify. We talk a bit, a lot about police pay and how the pay sucks, and because of that, you get inferior officers. Well, talk about increasing police pay, but tying that to certain reforms. I think a police officer should get paid more if they've got a college degree, because it means they've got that those years of life experience, and they're less inclined to make a stupid decision because they're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. I think police should get paid more if they live within the area that they happen to be patrolling. Neighborhood policing is a big deal. But to get that, you've got to incentivize that. You've got to pay people for it. So think of issues that are, that are important to you and promote them to people who will listen. So those are my suggestions. Run for office first, second, and third. You've got to run for office. I don't care who you are. Make sure to get informed on the issues that matter. If you don't want to run for office, support an organization that's already getting involved in that space and figure out the issues that matter to you and make sure that you promote them to people in your community. So folks, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Fiscamall. We're a little bit over 52 minutes. I apologize for the length I will do my best to get back to a shorter length in next week's podcast. Please make sure to join us online at Fiskamall as the Twitter handle. Use the hashtag F-S-C-K. Join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Fisk. And on behalf of myself, Mike the Sound Guy, and Samson, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a blessed week.